Hello there, and welcome to the first episode of Worcestershire Liberty and Freedom, brought to you by the Battle of Worcester Society. I'm Ben Humphrey, and over the next few months, I'll be taking you on an audio journey of some of Worcestershire's most significant stops on the path to Western liberty and democracy. This month, we'll start the series with one of Worcestershire's hidden gems, Fort Royal Park. Tucked away off the London Road, just outside the city centre, is a stunningly beautiful park that once you reach the top of its steep incline, almost seems to act as a guardian of the city with unrivaled views of Worcester's skyline and, of course, the ever-magnificent Worcester Cathedral defiantly standing at the centre of this quickly developing university city. The Fort Royal Park of today is a fine example of a green municipal space with picnic areas, play equipment, attractive flower beds, and a welcoming serenity in the middle of the historic Worcester city. Today's picturesque park appears in stark contrast with how the same location would have looked just over 360 years ago. Rather unsurprisingly, the park takes its name from the structure that once stood atop of the man-made hill where its guardianship of the city wasn't merely metaphorical. On the 3rd of September, 1651, the fort was to play a pivotal role in the final battle of the English Civil Wars, the Battle of Worcester. The Royalist forces of Charles Stuart, numbering approximately 15,000 men, had set up camp in Worcester City on the 23rd of August, 1651. The population of the city at that time was little over 5,000, and the influx of triple that number to the area must have been an incredible sight to behold. The city's location, its walls and natural fortifications from the Malvern Hills and the rivers Severn and Teem, made it a sound place for what would be Charles's last stand against Oliver Cromwell's new model army. Charles's army knew of the strategic necessity of Fort Royal, and on the morning of the 3rd of September 1651, it was very much a royalist stronghold. Oliver Cromwell knew that whoever held this fort also held the balance of power, and as soon as the parliamentarian forces seized control of this military linchpin, the tide decisively turned against Charles and his army. The well-trained and superbly organised parliamentarians forced the royalists into a retreat and mercilessly turned the guns of the fort onto the city. £86,000 worth of damage was done to city buildings that day, as well as a breach of the city's walls and, of course, the Sidbury Gate. The Battle of Worcester was brutal, bloody, and the end of a long and exhausting civil war that had left England in economic, political and social devastation. But despite this devastation, the country's new status as a de facto republic became a beacon of hope against tyranny, as the divine right of kings was suddenly not so absolute. Fort Royal oversaw the turning point in England's political and social landscape, and when one stands on top of this remarkable park and gazes across the city, it is hard not to feel connected to that moment on the 3rd of September, 1651.
Fort Royal's connection with liberty and democracy doesn't just end in 1651, however. In 1786, two remarkable men visited Worcester, almost in pilgrimage, where they believed that the seeds of a new concept of governance had been sown. John Adams and Thomas Jefferson were to become the second and third presidents of the United States of America, respectively, and during a tour of English country gardens, decided to make a stop in Worcester. This visit by two of the founding forefathers of one of the most influential powers in the world has until recently gone unnoticed and unmarked by the people of Worcester. The visit itself was said to be rather uneventful, but Adams and Jefferson were bemused by the general apathy and disinterest the local people seemed to have regarding its place on the international stage. Soon after Oliver Cromwell's death in 1658, the political structure and stability that the country had enjoyed began to fall apart, and the restoration of the monarchy and the return of Charles Stuart to the throne was negotiated. But despite once more being effectively ruled by a king, things were different. England had dared to challenge the power of the monarch, and an idea prevailed that governance could not simply be appointed by God, but that people could and should have a say in their own destiny. This was a principle that both Adams and Jefferson believed in, and they saw Worcester as the place where that principle had begun its journey in the modern world. Unfortunately, the Worcester of 1786 was not so impassioned by the concept, and John Adams later wrote in his diary, the people in the neighborhood appeared so ignorant and careless at Worcester that I was provoked and asked, and do Englishmen so soon forget the ground where liberty was fought for? Tell your neighbors and your children that this is holy ground, much holier than that on which your churches stand. All England should come in pilgrimage to this hill once a year. Within a year of Adams writing those incredible and powerful words, the US Constitution was drafted and signed. The Fort Royal Park of today still impresses first-time visitors to the city, and over the past couple of years, the city and county councils, along with the Battle of Worcester Society and Friends of Fort Royal Park, have worked tirelessly to make the area attractive, welcoming, and of course informative to residents as well as tourists. There are attractive interpretation boards where more of the site's history is explained with eye-catching illustrations. The children's play area, which is set across three levels, has a Civil War theme, with a miniature fort constantly occupied by modern mini-soldiers. A remarkable bronze plaque by the international sculptor Kenneth Potts sits on top of the hill depicting scenes from that battle on the 3rd of September 1651, and there is a campaign to see a bronze statue of the two presidents placed on top of the park with Adams's famous words set in stone for future generations to see. One of the key annual events that now takes place in Fort Royal Park is a drumhead ceremony of remembrance that takes place on the 3rd of September each year. The ceremony is a short yet moving tribute to the 3,000 men who died during the Battle of Worcester and is conducted by the Battle of Worcester Society's chaplain, with attendance numbers in recent years reaching over 400 people. Those people are following the advice that John Adams gave in 1786 and are coming in pilgrimage, as he did himself, to a place where liberty was fought for. Adams's words are spoken as a reminder to those assembled that where they stand is part of something much bigger than a battle, 
the park where they stand is one of the most significant locations of modern democracy and liberty, and that the repercussions of the 3rd of September 1651 are felt across the globe to this very day. Port Royal Park is a fitting place to start our audio journey, and I hope that you'll join me for further episodes in the series. We will be bringing you interviews from home and overseas, and taking you to places that you can of course enjoy from the comfort of your own home, although a visit to these sites is always recommended. Join me next month when we'll be looking at King John's final resting place and the significance of one of the country's most magnificent cathedrals. Thank you for listening.